0: Welcome to Magic by Design. We're setting off on an adventure to Paradise Falls this week to review Pixar's 10th animated feature Up, first released in 2009. Note here, I got my numbers mixed up in the last couple of weeks and was one number ahead, so this is Pixar's 10th animated feature, I can confirm. But before we go up and away, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Ken and I am joined, as always, by my co-host slash brother Garrett.
1: Garrett, how are you? Isn't the
0: universe weird? Totally
1: bonkers. Because as we record this, last night we watched Up, and as we record this, literally two hours ago, it was announced that Ed Asner died. And it's so strange,
0: and this is one of the things that makes me feel like the world is a simulation, mm. because that's t- such a weird coincidence. If we never started this podcast with Ed Asner still be alive? Did we kill Ed Asner? I think we might have. Now granted, he was 91, so maybe Father Time killed Ed Asner, but...
1: Very, very strange, though. That's like, literally... And usually we record the podcast earlier in the afternoon as well, so it's even a weird thing that we're doing a little later in the evening, because typically we would have recorded the podcast before the news came out that he had passed away, but because we're doing a little birthday celebration for our dad, it's later in the afternoon, or into the evening, and then the news broke. What a weird set of coinkydinks. Yeah.
0: The thing is, as well, I specifically looked up Ed Asner to see if he was still alive because I know they're doing an up television show on Disney Plus centred around Doug. And I'm like, is it still Ed Asner doing the voice? And it was. And it's like, oh, Ed Asner's still around. Fair play to him. 91. Died the next
1: day. Very odd. So strange. And yeah, at least like I assume they've recorded all his lines for that TV show. So they will still have his voice on that TV show. But
0: and if they do a second season, they'll just get someone that sounds exactly like him because that's how Disney work.
1: Yeah, because I was watching Marvel's What If? Where they have the vast majority of the people back, but not all of them. So it's like a fun game of like, obviously, you know, it's not Scarlett Johansson right. <laughs> based on their her relationship with Disney. But like Robert Downey Jr. is not back. Uh, Chris Evans isn't back. So they have soundalikes for some of those people. Um, there's a character that's revealed at the end of the third episode that I guess is technically kind of a spoiler that I won't say. But also she's not voiced by the actress who plays her. It's fun to play that little game of like, who's a alike and who's the actor? Anyway, rest in peace to Ed Asner. We'll dedicate this podcast to him yeah, appropriately. He is up. Yeah. Like, he's this movie. The heart and soul of it is his performance. Well, a lot of the film is driven by him. I know Russell exists, but... Like, Russell is only as interesting as he is related to to Carl. Like, I don't think Russell by himself is a particularly interesting character. But they do do some interesting stuff about, like, Russell's family life and him looking for a father figure. He's only really interesting when he's, like, relating that back to Carl and the the son Carl could never have.
0: He's kind of a foil for Carl other than that, you know. Mm. He's impeding Carl, but also... Carl doesn't realise that he
1: needs the help, you know. But this is, thoroughly, it's just the Ed Asner show. Like, from the old grumpy curmudgeon performance, which is great, to the slowly gaining the heart of gold performance, which is also great.
0: And just gaining his confidence back and, you know, becoming what is ostensibly an
1: action hero in the end. Yeah, learning to live again after, you know, the loss of his spouse. Like, this film is very famous for its first ten minutes, where it unfurls the life story of Carol and Ellie who go through their entire life living happily can't have kids they don't dive like into whether or not she miscarried or whether or not they just can't have kids for whatever biological reason they don't show
0: her revealing that she's pregnant but they do show them preparing to have a baby Mm. so it could go either way
1: yeah but like the the way they communicate that is they show you her crying in a doctor's office to communicate to you that they for whatever reason cannot have children or tried and failed to have children either way way, very depressing thing to put in this children's movie. It's like these these characters went through serious things and they, they over their lifetime tried to save toward their dream of going to, to uh, Paradise, falls, falls. Paradise Falls and over and over again you know burst higher or whatever uh, Carol would end up in the hospital and they'd have to break their break their jar to, to chip into their funds to pay for something and then the moment he's like you know what screw it we're going to Paradise Falls he goes buys the ticket they go up to the, the hill where you know they saw that Carol struggled to climb the hill with ellie earlier in the movie could climb the hill with Gusto but then you see ellie struggling to climb the hill Ken and then she falls down and then you learn that she's died and this is The first ten minutes of the movie, like, if they released that first ten minutes as just a short, it would be an absolute bloody masterpiece. (laughs) The thing is, people remember the part with the music, but
0: the preamble to that where they meet his children, where you basically see that they this bond this lifelong bond i'm gonna cry gar it's <laughs> just like they come into each other's lives at the, at the right time they need each other they complement each other one's kind of shy and reserved the other's outgoing oh my god i'm getting get teary even thinking about it
1: it's just a perfect piece of filmmaking i've taken very few notes in this movie yeah me too it's just it's, because I, I didn't want to overshadow this podcast
0: talking too much about the facts we'll go into some of it but the story and the themes and the characters really drive this one
1: like i think i think it was tarzan we identified as just like disney firing on all cylinders you yeah. it's like all the things that disney does well they're doing well and they're not necessarily doing anything new but everything they're doing is just laser refined perfection for the disney formula and i feel very similar about up like, yeah. there's very little in Up that really pushes the boundaries of what Pixar are doing. Even relative to WALL-E, which is, I think, a film that did really push the boundaries of what Pixar is doing. Yeah, But it's just everything Pixar does well, from the music, to the story, to the visuals, to the characters, to the off-the-wall ideas, to filling out this world and thinking about, well, what would a house flown by balloons actually, how would that work, how would that operate? All of that is just pixar Perfectly refined, perfectly pared down to everything they need in this movie. It's not bloated, movie's an hour and a half, perfect length. It is just, it's not Pixar's best film, but it's probably their most refined. It's very interesting though, because there's a lot of fantastical elements like the
0: mythical bird. There's, There's the... Many talking dogs. Many talking dogs. There's the flying house. There's the fact that they basically carry the house like a balloon, which is an allegory
1: for Carl and Ellie's life. Literally carrying the weight of his dead wife on his back until uh, he can finally let it go. Exactly. But at the core of it
0: is Carl and his struggling with grief and coming to terms with it and missing Ellie and, you know, realising that there's life beyond that and maybe he needs to help Russell because Russell is crying out for help this entire movie. Or Ken
1: does russell need to help him
0: (laughs) yeah so they help each other in a lot of ways it's like when carl and ellie met they needed each other and when russell and carl met they needed each other but it's interesting that a film that's so fantastical is grounded by these really i don't want to say grim but really adult themes reminds me a lot of lilo
1: and stitch again a film about aliens and all that but really at its core it's about kid dealing with the loss of her parents Whereas this film is about, you know, talking dogs and zeppelins and and mythical creatures in the jungle. At its core, it's about a dude dealing with the loss of his wife. It's just... Yeah, it's it's, it's such a, a perfect movie in every single way. I can't imagine, like, good cute amount of animal sidekicks, thumbs up. They do all the children's film things that they kind of have to put in these movies, but they do them all well in an, in an entertaining way. It's, it, it is it is the perfect Pixar movie, even if it's not the best Pixar movie.
0: Director Pete Docter began developing the concept for Up as Far Back as 2004 under the title Heliums, based on Docter's own fantasies of escaping life when things become too overwhelming or annoying. Up was released in May 2009 and opened at the Cannes Film Festival, becoming the first animated and 3D film to do so. The film grossed £735 off a budget of £175 becoming the sixth highest grossing film of 2009. It'll be no surprise to anyone that Up received widespread acclaim from critics and audiences alike, with many hailing it as one of the best animated films of all time. The characters, the themes, the narrative, Asner's vocal performance and Giacchino's score were praised, as was the montage of Carl and Ellie's life together growing old
1: because yeah that that is the thing when you mention up literally. The first thing everyone remembers is the first ten minutes because it does hit you like a, a like a sack of bricks.
0: Yeah, the music is enough to get me going, but watching it there, I, I did get teary again. You're, I've seen it several
1: times. You see people fall in love, have dreams, have their dreams shattered, find new dreams, live their life together, and one of them dies, and then they, like the, the film is about what happens after one of them dies. But they go through that. You see the whole roller coaster of their life. It's not just you know they lived a perfect happy life and now one of them is dead. That, that's probably the easier probably. Like, It's a kids film. We can't show them not being able to have kids. That's just too much of a gut punch for this children's movie whereas Pixar are like nah. Let's do it. Let's give kids some credit. And like that's the important part like it's important that they couldn't have kids because that's what Carl is doing essentially in this movie finally having a child.
0: Yeah, I didn't even think of that care. Yeah. Can you
1: can you believe that I, I've never thought about you, that but you you're never, right. Yeah, because like they couldn't have kids and then he has suddenly a kid foisted upon him and that's how he finds meaning in the world after his wife dies.
0: And the lack of a child and the lack of fulfilling their dream of paradise falls, that deepens Carl's grief in the start of the film. Mm. He feels like he doesn't know how to go on without her because we see Carl as a child who's shy, retiring, has the dreams, same dreams as Ellie, but Ellie is more much more outgoing and, and vocal about it and, you know, he just doesn't know how to live without her. We just see him learning to do that throughout the film while adopting a child essentially
1: and they do some really fun things with like the color palette and at the start of the movie you know you see that entire montage is full of color it's bright and happy and then and then immediately when we get to the current day we see like they, they they're just they suck a lot of the life out of the colors when he's in that house by himself on his own there's a lot of grays well that's not quite grays but it's just brown it's just muted all of the color in his world is muted because ellie is gone
0: yeah some really nice choices again you actually move us nicely onto the animation there Doctor and 11 other Pixar artists spent three days in Venezuela gathering research and inspiration.
1: Here. Of course they did. <laughs> yeah. oh, did they go there by via balloon? If they no. did, I'll allow it. But if they didn't, I'm furious. No, they just took a plane like suckers. Absolute cowards. If they're not like, we're going to work out how the mechanics of this balloon work properly in order to animate them, then we're not allowed to go on this trip.
0: The characters here are heavily caricatured and stylized. We've seen this in Pixar films since Toy Story, but all the proportions are either squashed or elongated. Carl's basically a square, and he looks strikingly like Ed Asner.
1: Well, yeah, he's more of like a... A cube version yeah. of it, as there. Yeah.
0: The challenge on up was making these stylized characters feel natural. Doctor remarked, the effects came across better than animating the realistic characters from Toy Story who suffered from an uncanny valley effect. We we commented on that at the time.
1: Yeah, they, like they don't go for realistic characters. None of the characters in this movie look realistic. They're yeah. all caricatures. It's fine. I'm perfectly okay with that. I don't need these. And like, when we get to Soul, we'll be like, whoa, how do they do such realistic looking characters? And then we're like, all right. But until then. Even then, Soul is kind of caricatures as well. Yeah,
0: They are much more lifelike in terms of skin tones, in terms of body shapes, things like that. But in this case, I understand what they're doing because it does deepen the appeal. If we try to make Carl and Russell realistic, I think... We wouldn't have connected with this movie as much.
1: And yeah, like, I don't know. It's a thing we're just not good at, even now still. It's a thing we don't really talk about with video games, where, like, people are like, well, these video games look really realistic. But if you really look at, like, the human models in video games, they look just kind of weird and derpy still.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And we just can't get it right. And it's weird how we just, uh, we identify more with these characters than humans. Isn't that strange?
1: Yeah, and you can do more fantastical and interesting things with these weird-looking square characters as opposed to actual people.
0: Another interesting note here, Garrett. To animate old people, Pixar animators would study their own parents or grandparents (laughs) and also watched footage of the Senior Olympics, which I did not know was a thing, but I now need to look up.
1: All right, Mom, sit down. I need to look at your face for a good two hours in order to know where the wrinkles go.
0: The directors had various rules for Carl's movements. He could not turn his head more than 15 or 20 degrees without turning his torso as well, nor could he raise his arms very high. However, they wanted him to grow more flexible near the end of the film, transforming into an action hero because he does go full Arnie in the end.
1: Yeah, it's interesting if you actually watch how they animate him, because at the very end of the movie, there's a scene where he's literally chasing his floating away house across the top of a blimp in yeah. the middle of the air. And you can see they still have him run in a way that's like, he's still an old man. Yeah. And like, even though it, they have him doing all that action hero stuff, he still kind of runs like an old man. Yeah. Even when he's chasing that house off the side of a blimp, he, he's not like just sprinting to catch it. He's still kind of like doing the old man model because he needs to walk with a cane otherwise. Yeah, to your point, the adrenaline is flowing so we can go with it, but they don't want to
0: do it too much because other films would have completely thrown the realism or his age out the window to get from point A to point B in terms of the finale. And they do a little, to be fair. They do a little, but it's enough that you can suspend your disbelief because they do still show that he feels the effects of what he's doing, but he's just propelled by his motivation to help Kevin and Russell.
1: And they do at least do a, a little bit where he's having a sword fight with um, Charles Muntz. Yeah. And they both put their arms in the air and their backs go out and they're stuck for a second.
0: So it's like your classic you know, Hobbs and Shaw style fight, <laughs> except with pensioners who can't really fight. It's a war of attrition to see who can last the longest. You did raise the point.
1: What age is Charles Munz?
0: That's the thing, because when we start the film, we see Carl in the cinema watching Charles Munz on a film reel. He's a full-on adult. Carl's a
1: child. You would assume there's at least, at the very least, 20, 25 years between them at that stage. Possibly even 30. Yeah. So we see Carl in his pensioner days. So Carl is probably 70 minimum. So Munz must be over 100. Yeah, living down in this jungle. Maybe he's discovered the secret of life down in this jungle. Possibly. That's the
0: one thing I think they didn't think about too much.
1: Like, it's a Pixar film, so who really cares? But yeah, and and they do, like, suggest that this man is ancient when they find him.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and maybe he's kept alive by spite by trying to catch Kevin.
1: And there's a weird, like, Gollum effect to him where he has, like aged so much that he's almost non-human looking to an extent
0: yeah because he's driven by rage basically
1: or not even rage spite. but spite spite it's and, mostly spite and anger or resentment he's just like you have said that i did not find this bird i'm gonna goddamn find this bird <laughs> i'm not coming back until i find this bird
0: one of the technical directors calculated that to make carl's house fly it would require 23 million balloons. But Doctor realised that such a high number made the balloons look like small dots. Instead, the balloons were created to be twice the size of Carl so in the end, there are 10,297 balloons for shots of the house just flying and 20,622 balloons during the liftoff sequence, a varying number in other scenes because, as we know, they lose ones along the way.
1: Yeah, and like if they were to try and animate that many balloons, it would yeah. be like, all right, the poor Pixar people would be there for like 15 years.
0: I know they have software that they often develop to automate some of this stuff because the balloons, they're not just like floating or they show the effects like as carl says during the movie that we have about three days until these balloons lose their helium and you see during the film that some of them are they're waning but even just they react to their conditions they don't just stay up they
1: bobble and react to wind and all these different things Mm. because how many did you say it would take them to float the house was it 20 million 20 million yeah 23 million so can you imagine actually having 23 million balloons on the screen yeah, I'm pretty sure that would like be impossible to animate without the house being like 15 times bigger. Exactly. So it's scaled down for the movie,
0: but it makes sense. I had one more note on the animation gear. Up does a much better job of visualizing a jungle than The Incredibles did.
1: Yeah, The Incredibles jungle just looks and it's yeah, it just it looks kind of like the same two plants over and over again. It doesn't look particularly diverse or interesting. And when you look at them when they're in the top of the rock, you know, at the start of the movie, and they're like, we, we hit the wrong side of the frickin' falls. It does look like it's just a straight rock walk around. So I don't know why they end up in the jungle, but still.
0: Yeah, I think there's obviously a reason why they can't go from point A to point B. Yes, it's Kevin's fault. Yes, stupid Kevin. Moving on here, Guard, to the story. Early concepts differed from the final film. The initial version featured a floating city on an alien planet populated with Muppet like creatures. Much worse. With two brothers vying to inherit their father's kingdom. And when the brothers fell to Earth, they encountered a tall bird who helped them understand each other. But the story just didn't seem to work properly. Don't know why.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. It's
0: not like there's no. Oh, did you say Muppet like creatures? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know you were going to be in the movie. Thanks, care. Welcome. And the filmmakers realised that the most intriguing element of the city was the isolation. So they paired it back to a floating house with a single occupant.
1: And no aliens. Yeah. There is a mythical bird, but there's no aliens.
0: But how do we go from that to what we got? The creative process is wild sometimes.
1: It's like, all right, we're going to have these two aliens. They're going to fall to Earth and they're going to find a bird. It's like, all right, we're going to keep the bird and the earth bit. Yeah. Uh, we're going to keep the two people bit, but one's going to be an old man and the other's going to be a boy scout. And the old man will have just have his wife died and he's trying to fulfill her dream of taking her to the falls while the child is having daddy issues and is looking for a father figure.
0: To that point, though, I remember seeing the trailer for Up. It was like 10 seconds where they float past the screen as oh. they go up and reading the synopsis where basically an old man takes a child to South America. And once again, like last week where... I thought Wally was just Wally wandering around. I thought Pixar had lost their minds. This on paper
1: does not work at all and it is like this is the period in which like we can make whatever we want you know we, they had the run of Disney after Disney bought them and basically they took over Disney as opposed to Disney taking over them so it's just like we can let our creative juices run wild we haven't yet reached the period where we have to make too many sequels so we can just do whatever the hell we want we can make our weird floating balloon movie and all of the visuals with the floating balloons always just look so wonderful and striking which is really the reason probably they use it as, as, as the trailer even just set against the blue sky with clouds it just it looks so nice
0: yeah the notion of turning your house into an airship using thousands of balloons is so whimsical but also strikingly beautiful to look at the sequence where the house takes off is just so beautiful or even just the juxtaposition of an ordinary house floating by balloons it's just really lovely i had it as my desktop background for a long time
1: i also enjoy how they set up the story reason for why he floats away in a house with balloons as just like he lived a life as a man who sold balloons to kids yeah which is the reason he had all the helium and had all the balloons
0: so like yeah, it actually makes sense, and that's like probably ten seconds of the movie, but it just
1: sets up the reason and
0: makes it make sense.
1: And there's like the, the wonderful moment where you know every so often while they're giving the balloons to the kids, his balloon stand starts to float away, and he constantly has to weigh it down. And it's like complete. It just lays the seeds for the little story. You know, it's that little Pixar difference, isn't it? It's like that's where he, that's why he he's a balloon salesman. Of course, this is what he'd do.
0: Yeah, and that's why he knows how to weigh down the house as well. He does
1: yeah. He knows exactly the number of balloons to take off. He knows exactly the number of balloons the cut out to start uh, floating downward. There's descending. a Descending. The, uh, descending, there you go. <laughs> and yeah, it's just, it is that little Pixar difference that they just add in those little touches.
0: Up is also notable, Gar, because Russell is the first Asian lead character in a Pixar movie. About time. We don't see that much representation at that time, so... Yeah, these Pixar movies are either very white
1: or animals, so...
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and... That could not have. really animals more bugs and you don't want to pat them on the back because it's only right that we should see different characters represented on screen but at the same time Russell could have been any ethnicity so it is somewhat of a
1: positive step forward yeah People should see themselves in movies. I don't know why people find that such a... Like, I did not like this film any less because there is an Asian Lee character. And there's people who just melt down at that. It's like... Tokenism at its finest. What is wrong with you? People get to see themselves in movies and it does not change your enjoyment of this movie whatsoever. Why are you such a psycho about these things? Stop it. I will say as
0: well, Carl should not have bludgeoned that builder. But the developer using it as a method of getting him out of his house is pretty scummy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, we don't even mention that the whole like capitalism run amok aspect of this movie where he is the last remaining property holding out while they're trying to build do they even say what they're trying to build a some supermarket kind of, was it
0: I don't know a Shopping a, you center? see big skyscrapers around so it's some kind of development anyway
1: yeah some developers want the land around him but he's the last holdout and they're doing everything they can to try and get him to sell the house and yeah they eventually use him bludgeoning the dude which he deserved to be fair but uh, to, to declare him a menace to society mm-hmm. <laughs> to get him to go to Shady Acres or Shady Oaks at retirement home and again that's like a pretty heady concept for kids mm. this builder trying to force this dude out of his house and rather than go he floats away with balloons
0: I do love that how he totally dupes those two orderlies as well and it's they're, like,
1: oh. they're like oh he probably needs the pee he's like nope floating away <laughs> yeah.
0: he's like take my bag to the car I just need to say goodbye to the old place and he's like goodbye suckers <laughs> I love that sequence Car, we would be remiss without talking about the dogs in this movie Car. first of all Doug is hilarious mm. but also the other dogs the way they speak in weird overly long and formal sentences is very funny
1: yeah and there's all, all, a bunch of offhand jokes it's like when Charles Mons like, accepts Carol and, and Russell as their guests it's like I will temporarily not bite you
0: <laughs> you will be the fool because I will be the victor and it's just all these weird sentences
1: Like they're so weirdly formal and like deadpan it's the deadpan delivery that makes it good yeah because it's obviously it's a robot translating the dog so there's no like emotional inflection on their voice yeah it's just like you are my master i love you they they add a lot of comedy it's the thing that's put in for the kids it's always the thing it's like all right so we have this movie about this dude dealing with grief and the the kid is trying to find like a replacement for his dad after his dad got divorced and then started paying less attention to him so that's pretty heavy let's put some cool funny talking dogs in for the kids
0: And we have that bit of the film where Alpha has a broken translator, so he talks with a high-pitched voice. All very good stuff, but it's a great source of comedy. And then you see them serving them in the ship as well. Like opening bottles of champagne and cooking, it's it's very funny.
1: Spilling it all over the place and then fighting over the hot dog. It's it, that's they're dogs. That's that, that is the best bit. It's like this dude has been living in South America for literal like decades, decades looking for this bird. Which, by the way, the bird apparently not that hard to find based on Carolyn Russell's experience. <laughs> yeah, they found the bird within like. 15 seconds of landing so clearly charles not doing a very good job or maybe the fact that charles has been using dogs this entire time has been a bit of a flaw in his plan yeah (laughs) his army of dogs are clearly just not very good at finding this bird
0: but he is decrepitly old so he can't really go out and look for it himself anymore yeah
1: so but yeah it's it's all it's funny that's why it works because it's actually funny speaking
0: of charles Munts as a villain guy he's up there in terms of pixar villains anyway because his story arc is interesting he starts off as a a hero as such Mm -hmm. you know his intentions are noble but then he's embarrassed and discredited and he becomes bitter and twisted over time
1: but even when we get to the period where he's like the full-on villain and he turns on Carol it's not out of like some master plan it's just like a deep-rooted sense of paranoia that people are still trying to fool him or deceive him or make him look an idiot so everybody he doesn't trust anybody anymore he doesn't trust the world he has turned his back on the world until he finds this goddamn burden and people give him the respect he deserves and everyone's out to get him everyone's out to try and stop him from getting his bird and like he does some callous stuff he lights the house on fire he basically tries to kill russell and like there during that dinner sequence he suggests that these are not the first people he has killed
0: yeah they've all come and he's struck them all down
1: he has fed them to his army of dogs but
0: Garrett, it all leads to the very first pixar villain plummet their doom
1: was there Zerg did plummet in Toy Story 2 yeah I don't really count that as a toy but like and even that the bit is that he's plummeting to his doom exactly (laughs) but this is the first actual character to plummet to his doom and Zerg survives as we see because he's playing catch with Buzz afterwards
0: yeah but once like literally he didn't even think he was like I need to pursue this bird and then he just plummets to his doom Mm. and uh, in fairness he could survive but he's also old, so he probably turned to dust on impact.
1: Yeah. My favourite part is when he ties Russell to a chair and is about to drop him out of the back of the blimp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why he said. He tried to kill him. Like, flat out. You know, it's not like some kind of murder, though. It's just like, I'm going to tie you to this chair and drop you, like, 10,000 feet out of this blimp. How high can blimps go? I don't know. Thousands of feet, anyway. Either way, Russell's very much going to die upon impact. It's kind of like
0: one of those things where, like, oh, well, I just opened the door. I did. Like, I technically <laughs> didn't kill him.
1: It wasn't the fall that killed him. It was the landing.
0: Saying that as well, the climax is very thrilling. Surprising, considering it's two elderly
1: men, a child, a dog, and a bird. Because you get the moment where he lands on, uh, I've forgotten, Pleasure Falls. Pleasure? Paradise, Paradise Falls. Paradise Falls. It's completely different thing. When he finally lands on Paradise Falls and you know, uh, Kevin has been kidnapped and Russell is very sad and he gets to the moment where he gets to sit there in his chairs and he does not feel fulfilled because he realises that there is more to life now than just his old dreams. He has new dreams and he looks at the book and he sees that Ellie all along was like, go on a new adventure now that I'm gone. Yeah. And
0: the thing about Ellie is that He feels guilty because she never got to fulfill her dreams and maybe she didn't have the life that she envisioned, but she was (laughs) happy with the life that she had with Carl. Yeah.
1: But like everything after that sequence where he like, as you said, goes full on action hero, dumps everything out of the house and turns it into a full on like plane, basically.
0: Yeah. And like, you know, there's people dangling out of the the airship and, you know, there's fighting and like there's a lot of peril there. And it, it really does result in a thrilling climax. And, you know, they win the day in the end.
1: Yeah. And it would be remiss of us not to point out the score. Of course, the absolutely exceptional score by Michael Giacchino, which is the thing people remember. I remember for years all of RTE shows, RTE Ireland's national broadcaster, like Room to Improve and all that. They'd always use Pixar scores. Just rip them off. So yeah. you not even rip offs. It's just like they'd license it or whatever. So you just hear the do 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 in Room to Improve while Dermot Gavin is running around or whatever. It's genius in its simplicity
0: because. In the opening sequence that we go through Carl and Ellie's life, it's used to different effects. So, Hmm. you know, we have horns and trumpets and, you know, jazzy instruments that are upbeat, and then we just get the the tinkling of the, the piano as we go through to the more somber parts. But the thing is, like, it's the same piece of music but recontextualized can over yeah, and over making these tiny changes completely changes the mood and it's not just in that sequence throughout the film they use the exact same piece of music but changing it with the instrumentation or changing just the tempo or the speed of it and it turns it into a, an absolutely different song and my, one of my favourite parts is when it crescendos right at the end where Carl makes one of his biggest hero moments and it's like a, almost like an action score at that point it's just fantastic
1: and yeah it's still the, the, the leitmotif it's still that one piece of music that's as, as you said reused and recontextualized and repurposed throughout the entire film to fit each different scenario just a stunning score it's a single piece of music and wonderful work great great stuff a single piece of music and like if you think about it probably only like if you take the, the clip before it repeats
0: probably like 10 seconds maybe but well, it's, it's
1: about a minute of music I'd yeah, say yeah that, but then as you said it's repurposed and changed to fit every single point of this movie which is good thumbs up great stuff it works Every single time, as you mentioned, the scene where he's going like full on action here when he's flying through the air and they, they have this big, upbeat and, and like propulsive version of the theme song versus the version you heard like very early in the movie when Ellie died, when it's really scaled back, really slowed down to just the piano track. Just wonderful. Just the score in this film. It's probably, it does so much of the heavy lifting that the Ed Asner performance are, are the two things that do the heavy lifting of the movie. And they do it with aplomb. Up We mentioned all
0: these elements that that bring Up to a level that, while not being the best Pixar film, make it a a prime example of Pixar firing all cylinders. So this was recognised by critics and audiences. Up is the first Pixar film and only the second animated film to be nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards.
1: First 3D animated film, did we too?
0: Yeah. Under new rules that expanded nominations in the category. I think that's reductive though, because I think Up forced itself into the conversation.
1: Yeah, and I think it started with Wally that they were like, you've got to start nominating these movies. Like, these are not just children's movies. You cannot dismiss these movies as this side category anymore. These are worthy of being in contention for Best Picture, which again, as we mentioned, not unprecedented because it happened with Beauty and the Beast, but Again, it didn't happen in the 20 years since Beauty and the Beast, or well, 18 or whatever it was. Uh, so it was not a thing that happened regularly. It would happen again the next year with Toy Story.
0: But it's just recognising this as an art form rather than a children's diversion.
1: Yeah, it's it's putting it on the, the standing that it should be along with every other movie that's released. This is not a great animated movie. This is a great movie.
0: The thing is, the characters look ridiculous because they are exaggerations of human beings. But I have such a deep affinity for them that throughout the film, you want to see them succeed, even when Carl's being a bit of a jerk and the peril at the end. I actually was holding my breath for, and I have seen this film before, but it does make you really want to see them succeed and don't want them to come to any harm.
1: And like Carl's, the, the look of Carl tells you about Carl you know he is short he's stuffy he's pent in it makes you feel like a grumpy curmudgeonly stuffed up character so that when he obviously he performs like that it all makes cohesive sense like it's not just we made him look like this because we thought it was funny it's we made him look with, like this because it fits who he is
0: and the thing is he was elderly when ellie died but he's more hunched over after she died he's more you know withdrawn so we see the experiences inform how the character carries himself Overall, the film was nominated for five Oscars, including Best Animated Feature, which it won, again, like Wally last week, handily. Mm. Not even a contest.
1: Let me check what else was in contention that year, see what it beat.
0: It also won Best Original Score, the first Pixar film to do so. Come oh, on.
1: so thoroughly deserved in every single regard imaginable.
0: You know, as I said, it seems simple in theory, but in execution, it's absolutely masterful. This is also the first Pixar film to be released in 3D. I did see it in 3D. There was only a few set pieces, but it did really enhance the ending and the scene where Carl unleashes the balloons and
1: takes off for Paradise Falls.
0: Much easier to do these kind of things in animation, though, you know, having good 3D effects because it's made in 3D in the first place.
1: I imagine the balloons look good in 3D.
0: It did. You know, the shot as the the house is rising. We see the balloons from above. Mm. Like they were coming towards my face and it was amazing.
1: Uh, oh, by the way, beat Coraline fantastic mr fox princess and the frog and the secret of Kells. good a, year a
0: strong field
1: yeah a competitive year but well deserved it's still the winner by a mile yeah landslide it's as i said it's not the best pixar movie i still think that's wally but it is like as i said the perfect refined version of everything they do even like the final closing beat where they cut back to the falls and you see sitting on the top of the falls is the house yeah and ellie will live forever until the house rots, I suppose, and so they're, yeah. like, weather damage. But he, she will live forever where she always dreamed of living.
0: Or even when Carol dumps all his stuff to go and save Russell, the armchairs are side-by-side side on the falls.
1: Yeah. So I wonder, did the house, when it fell, crush the
0: armchairs? <laughs> Who knows? But, like, he fulfilled his promise to her, but also fulfilled the promise to himself. And
1: I fulfilled the pro- final promise to her, which is go on another adventure. Yeah. Your life's not over without me. Yeah. There's a whole new chapter coming.
0: And we see that afterwards with Russell, and we'll see that in the TV show as well. Apparently it's short subject, so there'll be like probably 6, 7, 10, maybe 15-minute episodes. Mm. But I'm looking forward to that very much. Yeah,
1: especially the final performance of Ed Asner well maybe not the final one but certainly the final last Carl and
0: Up Ed Asner you know he had a long and storied career going all the way back to the early
1: days of Hollywood not early but not early, the early days of Hollywood he was active in the 60s and 70s
0: <laughs> you know but like you know that kind of older era of Hollywood I suppose and he's not a Charlie Chaplin but maybe you know, that was an exaggeration he wasn't going
1: back to the silent film days <laughs> but
0: he would have been known by a lot of people for you know his older exploits but you know this he introduced him
1: the Mary Tyler Moore show and then the the spin-off afterward which he was the first person to be nominated for both a comedic and dramatic emmy or not all nominated to win both a comedic and dramatic emmy for playing the same character which is shows uh, tremendous range
0: exactly and he brought that to carl he imbued him with life and it brought him to a new generation and while well, he'll probably be remembered for a lot of things it's just nice that his last performance was one of the ones that more people than most can relate to
1: yeah ken's like i don't remember the 60s i was minus Twenty. How can I possibly remember the Mary Tyler Moore show?
0: What I mean is Up is just more accessible to more
1: people. It's a whole new generation. That's always the case. It's always nice to see when when a role like that brings an actor to a whole new generation that, you know, would not be familiar with their older work.
0: R.I.P. Ed Asner.
1: Yeah, it's, again, just a stunningly weird coincidence that the day we are set to record this, literally hours before we sit down to record this, he passes away. It's just very strange, but yeah. it's such a good performance. I said, he's the heart of this movie. This movie does not work without a performance that good. Because unlike Wally, which has basically no dialogue, that film works irrespective of the performances, this film works... Because of that performance.
0: The dialogue is mostly coming from him. We know we have months and we have Russell. But he's basically driving, I would say, 60, 70% of
1: the movie. He's, just, he's the heart of it. He's the character for which the movie's entire emotional arc revolves around. And it's, that all hangs on his performance. And his performance is great.
0: It's kind of cute that adults or older people would know him for Mary Tyler Moore. But there's a generation of kids that they may never have seen his face, but they'll know Carl forever. Which is kind of nice. It's
1: nice to be... Known for something like that. It's a great legacy to have. Immortalized in the wonders of Disney Pixar animation. Don't we all want that? All right, Pixar
0: adventurers, it's nearly time for us to put away our cap and goggles for another week. As we discussed, there's some wonderful music in Up, but sadly there are no songs, so we won't be hearing from resident Magic by Design singer Nicole for this week, but she will be back next week with another Pixar tune, I promise.
1: Uh, Toy Story 3. I don't remember the song in Toy Story 3. We belong together. Ah, yes. She's not just going to do You've Got a Friend in Me again. No. Which but, is there, there is a verse at the star of the movie she could
0: she could if she wanted to so we'll see what happens next week new episodes of Magic by Design land every Monday where all magical podcasts are downloaded stop by our website at magicbydesign.buzzrow.com to find a full list of podcast platforms we are literally everywhere Apple Podcasts Spotify Google Podcasts Amazon Music YouTube you name it we're on it make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode keep up to date with all the latest from Magic by Design by following us on the social medias you can find us on Facebook Facebook at facebook.com forward slash magic by design pod on twitter at magic design pod and on insta at magic by design pod we always love to see new listeners come to the show so if you've got a spare moment please do leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice if you give us five stars we will send you a dead squirrel because that is the best way for a squirrel to be
1: yeah uh, point I'm pointing at the five stars, because you should give it to us.
0: Next week, we'll be reviewing Pixar's 11th animated feature, Toy Story 3. You sure about that number? Sure, I've double-checked. So be sure to join us for that. But until then, stay safe and remember, adventure is out there. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.